Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin filling in for Andrea Kay, the great Andrea Kay. She's on assignment, but she's watching us. She's watching us. If you over on her Facebook page, you'll see she's uh, watching us. So I've got to be careful. We've got to live up to the standards. But with uh, DJ Potato Skins, our fearless producer, I call him we Noah. We have a, a gentleman. Yesterday, <laughs> I met in this very room. With DJ Potato Skins. DJ Potato Skins. I call him Noah. I call him Noah. A few, a few, uh, just a few hours from now, when I when the Pro America report starts in, he'll be Noah again. But he's a man of many, uh, many personalities. Just never call me late for dinner, Ed. That's right. Personality disordered and uh, very helpful. So we'll be we'll live up to the great Andrea K show. And you can, too, uh, by following us on Twitter at Andrea K show. You can go on to Facebook. I mentioned I'm at at Eagle Ed Martin. For our listeners, I hope you're listening to the Pro America Report in a few hours, and uh, I'm frequently on Andrea's show and uh, and and been uh, all over the Answer San Diego. I love it, and I am the uh, president of actually two organizations: the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national organization that Phyllis Schlafly founded many decades ago in the early 1970s, and on through till she passed away just four years ago. And I am also the president of America's Future, another nonprofit. This one is chaired by none other than General Michael. Flynn, and he just took over as chairman a few weeks ago, probably six weeks ago, and he is going to be across the country. You've probably seen him speaking. You've probably heard what he's saying. He is a voice, fearless voice. I did a podcast with him today. We recorded it. It'll come out on Friday at americasfuture.net. And uh, in that conversation, he was talking about how he just feels a responsibility to be in the fight for the future of America because he just he said I went through such a hard time and uh, and I was bolstered by the American people and he said I he said he very interesting if you go to americasfuture.net you can see the podcast he's done he's done about 4 of them this will be this Friday this this one will launch americasfuture.net and he said kind of I never heard him say it he said he just doesn't really understand it he just knows he's got to fight for what's uh, happening. He's got to be involved. And he said, I just, I have this uh, responsibility now. So a uh, great guy and uh, americasfuture.net. Check that out. So I do that. And I also do, of course, the Pro-America Report in a few hours here on The Answer San Diego. So good to be with you uh, another night. And I'm grateful to fill in for Andrea Kay. So, well, in a few minutes, we'll talk with John Schlafly. He's my old colleague. He uh, is Phyllis Schlafly's oldest son. Extraordinary guy with an, an extraordinary set of talents uh, and he's one of those talents is a columnist over on our sister site townhall.com and uh, John publishes on um on Tuesday evenings, he publishes his uh, essa, his uh, weekly column there. So we'll get an update on that with John Schlafly. And later on, I talked to you to uh, I talked to you about this uh, uh, the other night. I've talked about it a number of times on my show. Uh, Mickey Kaus, who is a Democrat, but he's smart. 
I know it sometimes sounds a little kind of, there's only a few of them left, I think, but he's very smart. And in particular, he identifies the glaring problems that many other people don't realize. Immigration, in aspects of the immigration laws, in uh, the failures of the unions, and in particular, uh, one aspect of uh, the welfare discussion that Joe Biden has just changed. So we'll talk with him in a few moments also. So we got a lot to do, but listen, before we, I want to start today and I want to tell you about what you need to know. If you go over to ProAmericaReport.com, you'll see that I send a weekly, excuse me, a daily email. And it's called The Wink, What You Now Know. What you now know, when you're done with this conversation, when you read that email, you will uh, know something that I think is important and you know it so you can move on with your life and your day. And in this case, I'm going to return to a subject that I talk about a lot now. But just a few hours ago, uh, Julie Kelly posted a piece on the January 6th hoax. And in this uh, piece... Again, posted just a few hours ago over at American Am Greatness, American Greatness, AmGreatness.com. She is lays out how untrustworthy the FBI is and how specifically the FBI has failed us. And yet now we're being told the FBI is going to lead us in uh, in, in searching out and, and getting to the bottom of the January 6th hoax. And you're told if you protest against that, you're a conspiracy theorist. And it's crazy. But Julie Kelly right now is at the top of her game writing about the uh, what has happened. And in fact, I, I'm going to go through a couple of these because it's uh, she does it so good glibly and uh, and she walks through some of the facts uh, that have happened so here we here was here's one of them uh, we were told she says this she said, we were told the FBI did not use spies to infiltrate the Trump campaign they did we were told the FBI didn't ambush and frame former National Security Advisor Mike Flynn they did we were told the FBI would not mislead the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court they did we were told the FBI wouldn't doctor official reports or correspondence. They did. We were told the FBI would never use a sketchy Russian national to bolster the collusion case against Trump. They did. Then she writes, sadly, the FBI is one of the least trustworthy agencies in the federal government, and that's saying a lot. So now, then the point here, and she says this clearer down through the, this piece, is that the same scam... Same hoax perpetrated on the American people in the Russia gate, the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax is being perpetrated on us regarding January 6th. So you say to yourself, why? Why did they do the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax? Well, it seems clear that the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax was meant to take out and to cripple and to um, and to damage the president. And in many ways, it's pretty good at that. I mean, when you look back at the history of this, you'll say how many hours, how many, how much time was spent by this president to try to unpack and fight the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. You know, we had, again, we had, and we had this unique, I call it the narrative machine, the unique power of, of this period in history, the narrative machine that's big tech, big media, and big government working together to tell a lie to the American people. And they, to this day, they believe it. Most of them, many of them, not most of them, but many of them. So the narrative machine, big tech and big media and big government. What was the big government? A Mueller investigation plus Adam Schiff. So these people, the Adam Schiff and the Intelligence Committee and the lies they were telling, they were telling lies. They knew they were telling lies. Adam Schiff was in the basement. There's a there's a room set of rooms in the Congress where you go for top secret briefings. They're called skiffs. 
And Adam Schiff was getting the truth and he was lying about it. And it was weaponized by the news media with guys like Brennan and Clapper on MSNBC and CNN specifically, you know, those guys were out there. They're intelligence leaders. They're using their credibility to say, oh, I mean, I can picture Brennan. Oh, oh you know, the Russia thing, it's all going to come down. It's, it's just terrible what I'm seeing and all the things I'm seeing and what it looks like and how it's going to be. Total lies, total fraudulent stuff. But the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, Mueller report, as well as Schiff and the Congress, and then the weaponized brainwashing CNN and, and cable news, and then big tech used to drive this message, as, as Julie Kelly says, lacking. It wasn't that they were lacking credibility. They had no credibility. It wasn't like they had a little bit. They had none by the time it was over. And yet when it was over, they just dropped it and moved on. Well, here we are, January 6th, the narrative machine. So if the Russia gate, if the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax was meant to, to, to damage the president and take out the president, what's the January 6th hoax about? Be clear. January 6th hoax is about two things. Number one, it's about stopping any investigation back towards the 2020 election. Because if you go back, you must be one of these people that's an insurrectionist. You don't want to be associated with those people. Oh, no. And the second thing that a January 6th is being used to do, like the Russia, Russia, Russia investigation, target the conservatives target the MAG Americans. In this case, Russia, Russia, Russia was about Flynn and Stone and all these different people and trying to roll everybody up and use the power of government and the power of the media to torture people. And the process is the punishment. The process is the punishment. Mike Flynn didn't need to get convicted. He didn't need to get, take the plea deal. He just was going to be punished no matter what. And they did it. Roger Stone the same way. Carter Page the same way. Pick somebody. All those people, the process is the punishment. And the January 6th, in this case, 500, somewhere around 500 people charged with being at a political march, a rally, and they're being charged. And the message is, you will get in line. And what's happening is January 6th is being used to say, don't look back at the election. You're not allowed to. And we will punish people and we will use it. And they're saying this. Christopher Ray is bragging about it. He's saying we got all kinds of FBI agents that are digging in, that are making sure that they're going to get to the bottom of what's happening and they're going to make sure that nothing, you know, nothing is going to go on. Unbelievable. We're going to dig into it. It's going to be great. We're going to get all these, we get to the bottom of this, the domestic, and the White House says we're going to spend a hundred million dollars on a new priority. The priority is the domestic threat of racial uh, attacks, specifically white supremacy, which is what you are, by the way, if you're an insurrectionist, which is what you are if you were in there January 6th. My point here is the same playbook is being run again, but, and this is the problem, big tech and big media and big government are stronger than ever. Big tech has figured out how to silence, you know, silences Trump, silences Flynn, silences anybody who doesn't fit into their narrative. They silence you if you talk about the Wuhan virus. They silence if you talk about 2020 election, you're silenced. They're not messing around anymore. They're not letting the voices out and then trying to manage it. No, you're silenced. And big tech, that's what we can see of big tech. I suspect, I would say, I'd bet, I'd bet 95%, 99% maybe, certainty that they're doing a lot more that we can't see. We can't even tell. You don't even get to see it. Things disappear. Big media, never worse. I mean, they're losing ratings because Trump's not involved, but, they're, but here's the real wild card. Big government, big government's coming. 
You've got prosecutors from the attorney general in New York State who's going to indict a ham sandwich in order to try to torture Trump. You've got the the agriculture commissioner of, uh, of, of Florida who somehow has some purview, some jurisdiction over nonprofits, charities. She's going after Sidney Powell. You have federal judges targeting Sidney Powell. You have 500 people sitting in jails, rotting in jails, and earlier today posted on the internet proudly is an interview by an NBC reporter of a former prosecutor saying, and I'm summarizing, but it's close, the people are in a bad jail. That's right, in D.C. That's a bad jail. It's a really rough situation, and they, they're they not criminals. These guys, these aren't previous, these didn't have criminal records before, so this is going to be really tough for them. It's going to be hard. It's going to be nasty. going to be bad, but you know what? They deserve it. What? What? Federal prosecutor? Why do they, des- why do they deserve it? Because... They're the wrong political persuasion. They're the wrong set of people, according to the targets. And a federal pros- former federal prosecutor from that office says, you know, forget about guilty and t- innocent until proven guilty. Forget about due process. Forget about the, uh, the, the way things are supposed to be. No, 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 no. We're in charge now. And that's what's at stake. So you watch... Look, watch and read Julie Kelly and American Greatness. Julie Kelly, especially, she's amazing. But when you see what's going on, you should be—you should realize that when a guy like General Flynn, or when you hear political leaders say, "Hey, we're in a battle for our future, a war for our future," it's not—it's um, not minor league. These are not people that are kind of just getting the rhetoric hot. They're seeing specific instances, and they're seeing a pattern. And the pattern, again, to finish on this, the narrative machine, big media brainwashing the American people, big tech changing the brains of the American people, neuroscience, and big government using all the power of the federal government against we the people. I mean, it is, it should be terrifying. All right, there you have it. That's my opening. Well, I'll put up on social media, by the way, the great uh, Julie Kelly's piece. And uh, and by the way, we'll talk at the end of the show. I mentioned, I think last night, that uh, Speaker Trump, the case for Speaker Trump. Well, today, some of Kevin McCarthy's guys got to the uh, press and said, no, 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 he didn't mean it. He didn't mean it. So we'll talk about that. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with John Schlafly of the Schlafly Report from over at townhall.com. It's Ed Martin filling in for Andrew Kay. We'll be back in a moment. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show. And follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Ed Martin filling in for Andrea Kay. Grateful for the opportunity to uh, spend some time with her great listeners. And she will be back uh, very soon. I forget, uh, DJ uh, Potato Skins. When is she back at the end of the week or next week? I don't the know. Proof of the proof you know, I mean, it's going to be in eating the pudding. You know, what's it going to look like? <laughs> it's going to look like tomorrow. She's actually back in action tomorrow. Okay. All right. That's good. All right. Well, before she's back, we got to sneak in our friend John Schlafly. John Schlafly is one half of the Schlafly Report, which is a column that runs every week at townhall.com. It posts at Tuesday, posts about Tuesday night, sometime around now. And uh, he and his brother Andy have kept up the tradition of the late Phyllis Schlafly, who wrote a column, a weekly column, for decades, like for 45 years. And they're in like their fifth year, and they're pretty impressed with themselves. Uh, but they do have important columns. And earlier today, one of the big issues up in Capitol Hill in the swamp 
was this question of the massive Pelosi takeover of elections. And it would have banned photo IDs. It would have uh, made it so you can same day register, just walk up and register. Hey, I'm visiting in uh, San Diego today. There's an election. I'll register. What the heck? I'm not not quite that dramatic, but close. Uh, Early voting, uh, no signature requirements, all kinds of things. It was the wish list of Nancy Pelosi. It went over to the Senate and it it died today. And John Schlafly's column with his brother Andy is posted. Posted over at uh, townhall.com, and it's uh, the title is "Stop Perpetual Election Fraud Bill." And uh, welcome, John Schlafly. How are you tonight? Well, I'm great, Ed. How are you? Uh, yes, I'm doing fine. Com- so- we saw this coming. Yeah, good to the Senate today, yep. and uh, but we did ha- we did have to rush back to the press at the last minute when Joe Manchin paid this afternoon. He, he had indicated he would would not support it, but he did support yeah. it, and that meant. 50-50, a 50-50 tie vote uh, in the Senate, so right. the Democrats' bill will not advance. But uh, Chuck Schumer is, is says he's going to come back with again and again. He's going to have a revised version and a revised version. He hopes to just wear down the Republicans' resistance until he eventually gets some part of all of these bad. The ideas are all bad, but he wants to get some of them passed. Well, we're talking with John Schlafly again. His column is over townhall.com. We're talking about H.R. 1. It's sometimes called, uh, I think, S. 1. It's uh, the Senate version. But And to be clear, 50-50 means that we would need uh, to break the uh, the filibuster, which is 60 votes to advance, and so it doesn't exist. Uh, what John referred to is West Virginia Democrat senator. It's amazing that there's a Democrat senator from West Virginia, pretty conservative uh, state. He has been waffling, and at the last minute, he did agree to vote with the Democrats, so it was 50 He did that in large part because the Democrats wanted the political issue. They can go out and say, all the Republicans are against it. We're all for it. If we just had a few more senators, we could pass it. But, John, uh, walk us through what this really is. I mean, you know, there's a quote in your column uh, from, uh, I think, from Thune, John Thune, saying, you know, there can be no uh, H.R. 1 is a piece of legislation that needs to die and die quickly. No compromises should be offered, et cetera. But, John, what is this? I mean, give us the context of this. Is this a... Is this, uh, you know, in, in 2000, after the mess of the 2000 election, maybe it was 2001, they passed the Help America Vote Act. It was a lot of spending. It was a lot of uh, authorization for local jurisdictions to, to do some more things. This is, I mean, this is, uh, like it's not even close to HAVA. This is like something categorically different. What, tell our listeners, what is this? What would this, what is this, you know, what is this H.R. 1? Well, I, I would say that uh, the best summary would be to say that it's, it's to make permanent all of the temporary rule breaking and suspension of the rules that took place last year in the election due to COVID. Now, an awful lot of rules of elections uh, that were there for good reason were suspended uh, to, because people were afraid to go out in person. And what the what this bill would do would essentially make uh, mail-in voting and drive-by voting permanent nationwide and ballot harvesting. Uh, you know, when when most people uh, have a ballot at home, that is an open invitation to ballot harvesting. Ballot harvesting means where uh, political activists can essentially go around and collect ballots in quantity. You know, and you only collect ballots from the people who know you know are going to vote your way. And then you deliver those ballots in bulk to the polling place. Now we we don't want that. I don't think that. I think that's it's a, it's against the law in most states. 
and it should be against the law everywhere. Uh, I mean, the only safe form of election is where we all uh, show up at our local polling place and we sign in with our neighbors who recognize us, and then we go and cast our secret ballot and drop it into the box. And then it's counted right there in the same polling place, and the results are tabulated uh, that same evening and reported to the central office with, so the results could be announced that same day. That is the way elections should be conducted. But, uh, and, uh, you know, these so uh, rules that make supposedly a, make a voting easier, Ed. Well, let's take a look, Ed. Now, our column didn't mention this, but today, the same day, uh, New York City is voting right, in right. the two primaries for a new mayor. And uh, right. they're predicting that the results won't be announced until the end of next month. Now, come on. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and, and, and part yeah. of it is because they've adopted this progressive idea called ranked choice voting. It's never been done before. It's complicated. It means you go back again and again and again to the same ballot to pick off, to knock off the candidates one by one by one until by process of elimination you're left with the, with the person who's still standing. And this takes right. weeks to accomplish. Now, you know, this is not... This is not going forward. And by the way, the voter turnout in today's election is expected to be, you know, very, very low. Uh, well, I, I, let me let me so, interrupt you, John. We're so talking with John. We're talking with John. Easier to vote. Yeah, we're talking with John Schlafly, and John Schlafly and his brother Andy write the Schlafly Report. It's over at townhall.com, and you can go to phyllisschlafly.com. All of his columns are archived there. Uh, he works with me, uh, and we work together at the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles organization. But, John, you know, over the weekend in France, I saw this article this morning. I think I sent it to you, but this morning, uh, when I read this article this morning, over the weekend in France, uh, the off-year election, so the presidential elections next year, the off-year election, the, the turnout was about 30, maybe 32%. And they were saying, look, nobody in this country believes the system is working, so barely anyone's voting, and they they've made you know they've had all the all kinds of uh, opportunities to do it, and 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 the point here is, in fact, one of the arguments in France is that all people care about and think works is the presidential races. That's what they can see. Probably somewhat true in America, you know, the attention on, on presidential races. But as you say, all these kinds of rules, all these things that have uh, put put together, didn't work in New York. It's not working in special elections, and more importantly, people perceive that the system isn't working. They don't have confidence because after 2016, Hillary lied about Russia, Russia, Russia. Mueller spent a year and a half doing Russia, Russia, Russia. By the time it was over, 80% of Democrats didn't think that the 2016 election was done right. It now, right now, about 80% of Republicans think the 2020 election wasn't done right. We have a crisis if our people don't think the elections will work and we're told, okay, Nancy Pelosi will fix it with more access, more unregulated elections. I mean, it's it's a crazy system, but we're we're sort of hanging by the balance. And I don't know how 2021 or 2022 elections are going to go. They probably have like 15 percent turnout. Well, uh, I mean, the public instinctively understands this, Ed. And look at this recent poll uh, about voter ID that that just came out uh, yesterday, and. Uh, I mean, you, there's never been a topic on which there is virtual unanimity among the American people. I'm looking at the numbers here. 
91% of Republicans, 87% of independents, and 62% of Democrats support requiring photo ID to vote. (laughs) Now, you know, I mean, there's never been a topic in which there's more agreement, and yet (laughs) the bill in Congress would prohibit photo ID, requiring photo ID for elections in all 50 states. And even Joe Manchin, who's come up with a so-called compromise, he says he's for voter ID. And, and, and he's even got Stacey Abrams to endorse that. But voter ID, if you read the fine print, that's not photo ID. By right, He's right. talking about a utility bill and using that for right. your ID. But no, right. what, the, what the public supports is government-issued photo ID, like a driver's license, or something similar to that, with that kind of security. In other words, just what you need to board a plane or to enter a federal building. Or cash a check. Yeah, or I mean, or, check, or, yeah. you know, okay. Yeah. Rent a car. I mean, uh, there's a there's a lot of them. Yes, you need a driver's license. Well, John, one more question. We're talking with John Schlafly. His column is over again at Phil, uh, excuse me, archived at phyllisschlafly.com, but also posted over at townhall.com, our sister site. Stop perpetual election fraud. Excuse me. Stop perpetual election fraud, Bill. John, one last question, though. Republicans had both houses and the presidency. Why, why could, couldn't they do? I mean, and maybe they'd get filibustered in return. But, you know, why not have a, a national photo ID? If you had a national requirement of a photo ID. I, I guess there might be a challenge from the states uh, saying you can't do that, but that's so commonsensical. And yet Republicans, they don't move on those kinds of things when they have power. I, I don't I don't see why. I don't know. You have any insight into that? Uh, well, uh, Ed, I think you're better qualified than I am to explain why the Republicans <laughs> don't do what we expect them to do when they have the opportunity. And they seem to be stronger when they're in opposition. And uh, you'll note that all 50 Republican senators voted no on this bill, even yeah. the weak sisters, yep. Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski. <laughs> and, and so right. uh, that, that's... Uh, so I think that's sexist, John. I think you're. Well, I think you're in trouble for that. I'm going I'm uh, to. Well, see if I get, uh, we get okay, a we can have Mitt Romney uh, <laughs> if you if you like. But it really clarifies that this is a political issue where, in our two party system, one party's on one side. At least the leaders are that not the grassroots, right. but the leaders are on one side, and the and the other party is. Against And we yeah. shouldn't have an election system which favors one party over the other party. I mean, that's unfair. And we have an yeah. equally divided Senate. We almost, Our House is equally divided. And that is mm-hmm. no basis for making dramatic changes which would give a permanent advantage to one party. And by the way, Ed, don't forget that after H.R. 1, just as bad coming right behind is H.R. 4. That's being marketed as the John Lewis bill. Now that Congressman John Lewis, who pushed the original voting rights law, is deceased, and uh, no, but that would be just as bad, if not worse, because it would do, Ed, is to say that every uh, election integrity provision in every state, before it can go into effect, would have to be submitted to the most left-wing yeah. lawyers in the Department of Justice for yep. preclearance yep. before it could go into right. effect. And if the <clears throat> state right. wanted to challenge that, they would have to bring their case 
in the D.C. federal court, which is overwhelmingly leftist. Yeah. No, I mean, again, uh, they don't stop. They don't stop. They when they lose, they don't. The left doesn't say, "Oh, good, we lost. We'll move on." No, they they keep going. All right, John Schlafly, thank you as always. <clears throat> pardon me. We'll put it up on social media. John Schlafly's column archived over at phyllisschlafly dot com. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Okay, Ed. All right, everybody. We'll take a quick break. Andrea K. Show. We'll be back in a few moments. We'll talk with Mickey Kaus. Get an update. I'm looking at his Twitter feed, at Kaus Mickey. I'll tell you why you got to check on that, too. There's a few places you can go to understand what's going on. So we'll take a break. It's Ed Martin filling in for Andrea K. It's the Andrea K. Show. Back in a moment. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. And like her Facebook fan page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E. You're listening to somebody who tells it like it is. Andrea K. on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. You're almost listening to Andrea Kay. She'll be back tomorrow night. It's Ed Martin filling in for Andrea Kay on the Andrea Kay Show here. And our next guest is Mickey Kaus, K-A-U-S, Mickey Kaus, on Twitter, at Kaus, Mickey, K-A-U-S, and then Mickey. He wrote a book in uh, 1992 called The End of Equality, which you'll see weaved through a lot of what he writes about and talks about. He has a column over at Substack, kaus.substack.com, which is also very good. I follow him on Twitter. You should, too, because he sees a lot of stuff. And so welcome, Mickey. How are you? I'm fine, Ed. Thank you. Well, so first, I, I was gonna. I want to talk about the welfare uh, shift. I've been talking about it on the radio for the last couple of days because I've, I've, I've seen what you've seen. I've learned what you teach. Uh, but before I get to that, a few minutes ago, you tweeted about uh, the the shift in our immigration policy. Again, it's not just that Biden has continued the kids in cages and maybe made them worse, um, but he has also changed all these kind of uh, specific rules. And the one you tweeted about was a culture of machismo in in another country may be sufficient for people to say, I get asylum. Is that about right? And walk us through what that is. Well, sure. There's there's supposed to be specific grounds for asylum. In other words, not... Not everybody in the world can just come here. You have to be a member of a particular social group that's being persecuted. Uh, this right. started after World War II, obviously, when the Jews were persecuted and various other groups. Uh, and liberal lawyers over the years have watered down, as you would expect, the, this requirement until basically uh, it was enough to say your husband hit you and you lived in a culture of machismo. So, you know, the state wasn't going to help you. And that lets in basically half the world because the world has a lot of cultures of machismo. Uh, and, and so under this, you know, right before Trump came in, that was in fact, you know, there was a, a ruling that said that this was the law. And uh, Jeff Sessions rolled it back and now Biden has unrolled it back, basically. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it doesn't really matter because everybody who gets in, Biden is going to let stay anyway. You right, know, so if right. you get here, you're in. Uh, but right. looking into the future, I mean, if, you know, this this says that for, from now until the foreseeable future, we're basically going to let in half the world. Even if, even if we start enforcing the law, the law will say you get in. So it's it's just a sign that Biden is opening every door he can find to let as many migrants in as possible. And I'm beginning to think it's it really is about you know, building democratic majorities into the future. I, I hate. To well, be you're, you're beginning to think that. Sorry. I mean, you're beginning to th- you're beginning to think it up. Well, I, I mean, was, you hadn't thought of it before. 
I always thought that, you know, they thought they had a humanitarian rationale. They they really thought that, huh. uh, you know, they, they, they really thought there was a labor shortage, so we needed this labor. But I think it, I, you know, they're, they're now doing it to so many people, even either even trying to sort of goad people into coming who might otherwise not want to come. That uh, right. And it's about the, and they're doing it counterproductively. In other words, it's so flagrant. There's going to be a backlash that's going to shut it down. Why would you do that? Right. Well, because you know it's going to be shut down. And you want to get as many people in before it does get shut down. I see. Okay. Well, that's a uh, thank you. That's uh, Mickey Kaus. We're talking to Mickey Kaus at Kaus Mickey, and again over at Substack. Uh, his uh, Substack is kaus.substack.com. Or right, Mickey, what I really want to bring you on is uh, you've been you've been tweeting about and writing on the question of uh, the uh, what was it called? It was Child Tax Credit Awareness Day, and the and the Biden video. Uh, Mickey, tell us uh, exactly you know the summary of what we did in welfare reform in the nineties. Why it mattered and was effective, and what just happened? Sure. Uh, the welfare system, which used to be called AFDC, basically gave money to, to parents, including single parents, including parents without mothers without husbands, husbands without mothers, uh, who had children. And it came to be a hated program because it, it was seen as fostering a culture of non-work, uh, mainly focus in in ghetto areas in big cities but also you know across the nation and when clinton came in he said he was going to end end the system uh, and he did in 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 concert with newt cambridge and what they did was they uh ended the legal entitlement to this money and they said that states can do what they want and they most important they impose work requirements so you, you only got three years, and then you had to go to work, or you had to train, and the rules were pretty tough. Uh, people who were on welfare saw the handwriting on the wall, and they started leaving. Uh, even before they hit their three years, they said, oh, well, I only got to get three years. I better get to work now. I might need those three years later. So basically, there was a, the welfare rules got cut in half, and the work amongst poor single mothers soared. That was the basic, the, 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 the victory of welfare reform is that a lot of people went to work who weren't, weren't working before. Uh, this sort of drives the left crazy, and the left has been looking for a way to sneak back in unconditional cash benefits, uh, and they found a way, which is there's something called the child tax credit, which at the moment only goes to workers, but if you have a kid and you, if you're a low-income worker, uh, you get a check. And they said, well, if, if all we do is eliminate the work requirement and send this check to everybody, we've basically recreated welfare. And that's what the Biden has proposed to do. If you're uh, whether you work or not, whether you try to work or not, if you have a kid, you would get uh, $300 a month basically for the kid, which is higher than the welfare benefits. It seems very low. It is very low, but it's higher than the benefits in in 41 states before Clinton you know, ended welfare as we know it. And it also it comes in addition to food stamps and Medicaid. So at some point it gets close to you being able to live on it without doing any work. Uh, and that is that it was part of the emergency bill for COVID that passed, but only for one year. And it's coming up for renewal, and the Democrats are going to try to renew it for multiple years. And that's the big sleeper issue in these budget negotiations is will Democrats extend and make permanent what is effect, effectively a restoration of the welfare program? 
Well, and again, we're talking with Mickey Kaus and at Kaus Mickey on uh, on Twitter and uh, over at Substack. It's uh, kaus.substack.com. His uh, writings there. Um, but to, to, to nail it, nail it down to a sentence. You know, for twenty years, twenty. Uh, let's see, I'm not good with math. Twenty, 20 almost twenty five years. We've had a system that has been better for the people and more efficient for the government or taxpayers. So better for workers. I mean, better for human beings, right? I mean, we're uh, nothing is going all the way back to the. Um, Welfare queens, right? When the famous uh, Reagan jumped on that issue, I think in the it was earlier in the seventies, and people remember. But he he sort of hammered it for the rest of his time, and he said that was. But but we it was better for people, right? It was better for our fellow citizens to have a system that incentivized something that got them headed in the right direction. And and if they couldn't, they fell into a category of people that we would recognize as you know more substantially. I don't know, disabled might be the wrong word, but in need, and so we got rid of that and this is by the way not, not one sentence as you can tell but we got rid we got rid of something that was good for the people that were in need and it was it's now much much more expensive and and it won't ever become more efficient right i mean it's a, and and you pointed out in one of your tweets though that this is a terrible issue politically is that really true anymore well i think it is uh you know it's never been tested the left has fantasies that well everybody's used to getting checks money for free and they love their stimulus checks and they don't care about the old work ethic that said you shouldn't get money without working and uh, th- that's what they say but there hasn't really been a test of it you know the, the the covid checks were a special you know a special occasion during a pandemic emergency people have to have checks because they w- were forbidden from going to work uh, we haven't had a test of somebody running against a Democratic politician saying, you passed a bill that recreated welfare, and you would think that Republicans could pick a bunch of them off in the coming election if the Democrats do that, and you would think that Democrats would be scared of it. So I would think they would have trouble passing this. Uh, the uh, you know keep in, keep in mind, under the old system, which was the Clinton system, and as as carried out basically by you know Bush's Obama and Trump, in 2019 we had the lowest child poverty rate ever. Uh, so we were making slow, steady progress. And the question right. is, uh, will that progress now stop now that we're giving enough cash so that people don't have to work? Yeah. Well, and I, I, you know, as you you said earlier about the immigration question, it's, it's so bad it'll collapse and and there'll be a reform or it'll be run the other way. I I I guess they're betting that they get enough voters in in the illegal immigration or immigration debacle, and then they get enough people dependent that you can't change the pol the politics won't allow you to change it. I I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I mean, you wonder if Republicans will be smart enough to run the issues. All right, Mickey Kaus, I've got to go. At uh, Kaus Mickey on Twitter, uh, kaus.substack.com. Thanks, Mickey, and thanks for all your writing. It's very helpful. Thanks, Ed. Thank you. All right, everybody. We'll take a break. It's Andrea K. Show. Be back in a moment. She'll be back tomorrow night, so don't worry. You don't only one well, one more segment with me. We'll be back in a moment. Ed Martin here on the Andrea K. Show. Talk to you in a minute. Be sure to follow Andrea K. on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. And follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E. A-K, Dynamite and Address, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, she's on The Answer San Diego. 
Welcome back, everybody. Ed Martin filling in for Andrea Kay. She'll be back tomorrow night. And uh, it's been a great privilege to be in the last couple of nights with you all. So thank you for that. Thank you for uh, DJ Potato Skins and his good work. And we, uh, I have to tell you, finish up with this story. We talked, I think we talked Friday night about this. Uh, I floated the idea. I've been talking about it for a couple months. Uh, there was a interview. There was, there was, I think, two interviews where President Trump was asked about it. And so was uh, Kevin McCarthy. And both kind of made some comments that sounded like it might be possible and that was the idea of speaker of the house donald j trump which is possible because you don't have to be a member of the house to be elected speaker of the house that's been established for decades not in the constitution so and a couple decades ago uh, back when there was a shifting of the speaker the conversation came up everybody agreed uh that you can you can have someone be named elected by the body as a speaker and what would be better what can you imagine what would be richer than to have the number three in the line of succession behind Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, be none other than Donald J. Trump. Plus, by the way, the Speaker of the House is the only person in American political life that's a complete dictator, at least the federal dicta- federal uh, life, because the system is set up once the Speaker's elected, he or she controls everything that happens in the House, which is all the origination of budget bills. So spending comes out of there and a lot of other stuff. So it's a very, very powerful position. That's why it's number three in the uh, in the uh, chain of command there in the, in the right of succession uh, for America. It'd be great. But earlier today, Jason Miller, one of the top aides for President Trump now, former President Trump, had said, oh, yeah, there's no zero desire to be House Speaker. And then Trump did an interview later and said, well, I've heard talk about it, but it's not something I uh, would have considered, uh, blah, blah, blah. I have a good relationship with Kevin McCarthy. Here's the thing. It's a denial that's not a denial. Trump's actual quote was, there's a lot of talk about it. I have a good relationship with Kevin, and hopefully we'll do everything traditionally. So didn't exactly deny it. But what's happening here is that Kevin McCarthy's people raced to Trump's people and said, please, please put that fire out. They're wrong, by the way. As a matter of politics, if you want to win in 2022, you got to do something that tells MAG America that there's a fighter on their side. They're not going to come for the usual suspects. They're not going to go to the polls for the usual suspects. They will not do it. So Speaker Trump... Even if it ends up that he's not Speaker, the idea of Speaker Trump is very, very helpful for uh, getting the vote out and getting people focused. So there you have it. We're ahead of the curve. Don't believe the uh, the the coverage saying it's off the table. It's still very much on the table. All right. Let me finish up again by saying thank you very much. Thank you to Andrea Kay for the opportunity to be on her show and talk to you all. Thank you to DJ Potato Skins, a.k.a. Noah. Uh, thank you also to one of my colleagues, Joanna, helps get these guests. Great privilege. Great privilege. Great to be with you. In a couple hours, I'll be on the Pro-America Report right here on The Answer San Diego, and I'll be back very soon, I hope. Great to be with you. Have a great night, everybody. Andrea Kay returns tomorrow night to the Andrea Kay Show. It's Ed Martin. Great to be with you. Talk to you later.